morning, Rochester Life. The first scripture reading today comes from Galatians 3, verses 26 through Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. In this three-part series, we are walking through the book of Galatians and taking a couple chapters at a time and grabbing kind of the highlight or the meat of that section of Scripture. And we have been talking about the transformation that happens in Christ that we find here in the Scriptures. And if you'll recall in our first um, session, um, we talked about how the old is gone, the new has come, how we are new creations transformed into the likeness of Christ. And we even brought up this idea that there's this tendency within us to retroform. Do you remember that word? That's um, a word that's no longer used in today's language, but a couple hundred years ago, it was used to describe um, forming back to an earlier version, a previous version of yourself. And, um, and so that's a tendency that we have, especially as we start walking, you know, with Christ, but we face the challenges of this world, we can maybe retreat back to our old ways, some of the old habits or the um, old strategies that we used to use um, because of whatever's going on in our life that is kind of causing us to retreat. But, um, you know, when we've talked about that Old Testament passage, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to its fall, his folly. Um, Today, we're going to be looking at a, a, a passage of Scripture that talks about transformation from slave to heir, uh, from the time of slavery, personally, to the time of being um, called a son, called a daughter, called an heir, one of the family. Um, and we find that this is our gospel story, that we are transformed from a slave Slave to what? That's what we're going to talk about. To an heir. An heir of what? Um, our springboard text today, and we've already read it, is Galatians 4-7 when it says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Um, that is good news. That is the most amazing news. That There's this transformation from slave to son, from slave to an heir. 
What images come to your mind when you think of a slave, um, when you think of slavery? Uh, maybe in your mind uh, you remember that movie from back 30 years ago, Roots, um, where you saw the atrocities that were committed against Kuta Quinta and his family. Uh, maybe what comes to your mind is a ship loaded up with uh, you know, people from Africa lining the, the floorboards of the ship, and many didn't survive the journey across the Atlantic, but those who did survive made good candidates at the auction block for plantation owners and others who would want to uh, bring in slaves to work the fields. Maybe your mind goes to the Israelites uh, back in the day when they were slaves in Egypt and they were you know, forced to produce the bricks that the Egyptians would use to build their cities. And then they were even taking their, you know, the straw and the other things away that would use to be making those bricks. And they were beaten and whipped under the hot sun. Perhaps we've insulated ourselves a bit in our society today, this word slavery. Maybe you think it doesn't exist anymore, but we have different language for such things. We use words like human trafficking um, and to, um, I don't know, I don't know why we would try to take it away, but indeed it is slavery. It's when someone loses their ability to choose and to have and to make decisions and put under the forced um, rulership of another. Um, a slave is defined as this, a person who is the property of another and is forced to obey them. When we think about this idea of being transformed from a slave to an heir, I want for us to also take a look at this word heir. What does it mean? An heir is defined as a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's death or a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. What an awesome transformation from slave to heir. As a slave, all is lost. As an heir, all is gained. As a, as a slave, there's no choice. But as an heir, there's the freedom to decide. As a slave, there's no future. As an heir, you have multiple generation impact. As a slave, it's obey or else. As an heir, it's an accept responsibility. I want to examine today what Galatians has to say about this transformation from slave to heir. And before you get there, um, before we start talking about this, you might be asking yourself, in what ways have I experienced slavery? In what ways have you experienced slavery? Well, there's a few verses that I'm going to bring up here to get started. John 8, 34, Jesus is talking and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. You see, uh, before we are in Christ or, you know, even after, I, I suppose, but as we commit sin, there is a slavery that comes upon us. There is a, um, a loss of control. There's a loss of decision making. We become slaves to our sin. And certainly before Christ, this is definitely true. We are slaves and in bondage to our sin. Romans 6, 5 and 6, Paul says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, referring to Jesus's death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. 
That's all good news. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, here we find this reference that, that our sin entangles, our sin captivates, our sin controls us in the same manner that uh, a slave would be controlled by its master. Those who have been set free after realizing their own slavery, take the freedom they have very seriously. Talk to anyone who's ever fled from a communist country before and they've discovered freedom in a democratic republic. They would never trade the freedom they're experiencing for the bondage they once had. Um, when you have been set free from slavery, when you have broken free from an entanglement, from a bondage, and you experience freedom, there's nothing like it. You would never exchange it. The same is true for anyone who's ever overcome a life-controlling addiction. They get set free from it, and they feel that freedom when they before were entangled and trapped. So I want to take a look at what does it mean, and what does the Scripture here in Galatians talk about when it's referring to us as this transformation from slave to heir, from slave to son or daughter. The first is this, transformation to heir is unifying. That's our first observation. There's a unifying component to this freedom and this um, inheritance that we have in Christ. Let's read again. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, in Christ, there is no ranking or position. Um, your slavery position, your pre-Christ position does not impact your heir position. Um, let me, let me kind of say that again. When you are, um, in slavery, when you are pre in Christ, before you have faith in him, there's all kinds of rankings in life, isn't there? There's the haves and the have nots. There's your, um, background. There's your, um, um, heritage, there's uh, male, female, there's all kinds of distinctions. But here we find Paul talking about in Christ, when we become heirs of Christ, all that we were before is eradicated in a sense, and we all become equal at the foot of the cross. We all become equal heirs in Christ. There is no ranking. There is no position. There's not Jew or Greek in Christ. There's not religious or secular. There's chosen people. We went from being unchosen as a Gentile to being chosen. In fact, here we even see Paul describing that we all become part of Abraham's seed. So it doesn't matter whether you're coming from a religious background when you uh, were saved or you're coming from a completely secular background. As you put your faith in Christ, you are then included in the promise to Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. You go to being unchosen to being chosen. 
Um, there is no slave or free or wealthy or destitute in Christ. Our economics do not matter. We all become heirs of the promise of what's coming of eternity. There's not male or female in Christ. There's, there's even the base level dis difference in humanity. There is a unity in Christ. Church life does seem to struggle a bit with, you know, ranking a little bit. You might feel like, you know, you see someone's gifts or talents, their, uh, the time span they've been um, in the faith, um, leadership positions, church ownership, insecurities, televangelists, all this kind of feed the false idea that there's rankings in Christ, that there's people more special or more privileged or have more um, coming their way in eternity because of what they do. And, and that's simply lies of the enemy because in Christ, we are one, we are equal, we are co-heirs together and co-heirs with Christ, the Bible says. Make no mistake, we are all equal at the foot of the cross because we all come regardless of our background we come and we confess our sin we confess our need of Christ there's no room for pride there's no room for um, you know some awesome script of who you think you are or some resume of what you've done we all come in and we confess our need of Christ and it puts us equal at the foot of the cross regardless of our background as heirs, we are responsible to become unified. And there is a responsibility for we um, in the church to indeed be unified with our brothers and sisters. Um, have you ever watched or experienced the opposite when dealing with, a, with an estate? Uh, maybe you've watched a family go through this challenge. As the uh, you know, patriarch or the, the elder in the family passes away and they've left, you know, a state, they've left money, they've left a house, they've left a car, they've left all of the sentimental belongings. And what can happen is the kids who are the heirs can get into a family feud. They begin to argue, well, I want this and I want that. And you're, you know, you're bullying me and I'm not getting what I deserve and all this stuff can happen. And as heirs, they can be disunified. The fighting and the division and the selfishness can overwhelm and overtake the inheritance. But in Christ, there is not that. There needs to not be that. And unfortunately, the church does look kind of divided at times. The church can take on this division if we do not guard the unity that we are called to here in Galatians. That we generally view ourselves in a humble air position. Um, the fruit of the Spirit should take care of this because if we treat one another with love and joy and peace, patience, long-suffering, if we've got these things in operation, which we're going to be talking about next week as we conclude uh, the book of Galatians, we find that as we allow the Spirit of Christ to um, operate within us, that the fruit of that is going to be um, giving and is going to be understanding, is going to be patience, is going to be walking with the failings of our brothers and sisters. It's going to include hoping for the best of those who we worship the Lord with.
That is what the picture of what, of what Christ wants to see when He calls us heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner um, of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, the pe- in, in the bond of peace. You see, Jesus calls us to this unity. He calls us to bear up with one another's weaknesses, with one another's sufferings. That is the calling that we have as heirs in Christ, um, this unity. And so that, that's a desire, that's a prayer, then that should be a passion of the church to be unified in Christ. Um, transformation to air also is perfectly timed. What we find is that um, there is a timing that is involved with the salvation and the redemption of the world. Um, let's read what Galatians 4, 1 through 5 said. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, um, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. All that to say that the Lord had appointed the perfect timing for the redemption of his people and the redemption of his church. God's timing for mankind and redemption is perfect. And we can sit here and we can question God's plan for this world and God's plan for the atrocities all around the world and we can put our finger up in the air at God and say, God, why would you allow that to happen? And why would you allow this to happen? Why would you allow people to wait, um, you know, as they're trying to get healed and all of this kind of stuff. You can sit and question God all you want. But what I do know and I want to declare to you is that God's timing is perfect. He's not late on anything. He is not late on his plan. He's not late on his touching people's lives. He has all of this in his sovereign plan. God's timing for mankind and redemption is perfect. Not fully understood, but God knows exactly what He's doing. You might not understand it, but He knows what He's doing. God's timing for each individual and their redemption is perfect. Um, he, is re- he is redeeming you. He's redeeming your family at exactly the right time according to His perfect will. Do you make decisions for each of your kids based upon their needs? Or do you base your decisions for your kids based on them as a whole group? Well, a good parent is going to look at the needs of each and every one of his kids. He's going to know exactly what they need and when they need it. He knows what kind of help they need. He knows what kind of process they need to go through. And that is his desire, is to provide for each of his kids according to their specific need. And that is the kind of care that God has given to you. That is the kind of attention he's given to your kids. He cares about each and every one. So as he walks with them through their redemption process, and he knows exactly what kind of process they need for them to come to faith. Hindsight's 2020. You've heard that statement before. 
And as we take a look at, you know, life in the rearview mirror and we can look back and say, oh man, I, I see how that was a tough road, but man, God came through at just the perfect time. He knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, I'd never want to go through that again, but, but I'd never change it for anything because God came through at just the perfect time and he taught me all kinds of things and I'm the person I am today because I went through that. You've probably heard people say all that before as they're looking at life's challenges in their rearview mirror. But when you're going through it, you feel like God's off the job. You feel like he's nowhere to be found as you're going through the painful seasons of life. But God is doing a work in, in our lives. He's doing a work in your kids. He's doing a work in your grandkids and let him work. Let his timing be perfect. And that's exactly what Galatians here is saying is that in the fullness of time, according to God's plan, um, this transformation from son to heir took place. And is taking place. And this timing has a lot to do with this last observation, and that's this. Transformation to air is heart changing. You see, God's all about the heart changing business. He is all about capturing our hearts. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You see, the Lord is about a heart connection, a heart relationship with you and with the people that you care about. A good father always cares about his kids' hearts more than anything else. A um, few weeks ago, we uh, quoted Paul Tripp when we talked about the heart, the heart of a person. The heart is the causal core of your personhood. It's that which is inside of you that pushes you, that initiates, that loves. It's the part of you that, that causes you to do the things that you do. That's your heart. And that's what God is all about connecting with. Put yourselves in the shoes of a slave, would you, for just a moment? Imagine yourself, whatever picture you have of slavery, I want you to envision yourself as a slave in the bondage of, of someone else, under someone else's um, perfect, you know, his, their directive. You have to do exactly what they say. You don't, and, and so what you can imagine is that there's no stuff of your own. There's no choice. There's no future. There's no recognized name. There's no inheritance. All you have is obedience. Just do what I say. That's all you need to worry about. And if you get out of line, there's going to be trouble. Regardless of how nice your master is or how miserable the work is, just imagine you really having no hope, no name, no future, no nothing. There really is no transcendent cause to live for. All you're doing is living to obey. And then suddenly a new master shows up on the scene and purchases your life. He, 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 he takes and he pays for everything that your former master required of you, pays the price, and now you're under the care of this new master. And this new master says, you're not my slave, but rather I view you as my son. It comes with freedom. It comes with stuff. It comes with a noble name of your own. It comes with an inheritance. Can you imagine what you would feel like if you went from slave to this new owner? This new owner who says you're not a slave. You can have your own name. You can have your own stuff. You're free to make your own decisions. He purchased your freedom. 
Well, friends, that's exactly what we are when we come to Christ. We were slaves to sin under its bondage with no future, with no hope. All we had was obeying the sin. And when Christ came in, he offered us sonship, daughtership. He offered us to be an heir. He gave us an inheritance that involves eternal life. A situation like this would capture your heart. You would absolutely adore this one who made this purchase for you. Jesus said this about a woman who was pouring oil on Jesus' feet while other people were scoffing at her and Jesus for letting this woman make a display. She's pouring oil all over him. Um, she's washing it with hair. She's crying. She's so indebted to Jesus. And Jesus said this in Luke 7, 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. You see, this woman had great sin. Everyone knew about him. Everyone ridiculed this woman. They didn't want anything to do with her. And Jesus forgave her sin. And the result is her heart transforming transformation her love her adoration for this jesus who forgave her sins she couldn't love him enough those who were standing around mocking they seem like they didn't really have much sin in their life they hadn't done a whole lot they had standing in community and they looked at jesus as a good teacher they looked at jesus as a good man but they didn't have the love they had not understood the transformation that Jesus was bringing into their life. Did you notice that there's this reference, this word, Abba Father, that the transform, the transform those who have become heirs, those who have become sons and daughters, and they've been realized they've been forgiven for very much, they cry out, Abba Father. What does Abba Father mean? Well, it's an affectionate term. It's a, it's a term that you would have with a caring, loving father. Now, I know that not everyone that's watching this um, has that experience. Maybe you didn't have a dad who was very loving or even around. You don't really understand what it means to have a heart connection with your dad. But you, I'd like for you to imagine that you did. Maybe you've seen other people that seem to have a good relationship with their dad. And there's kind of a difference in terminology. Some might, you know, who've got more of a distance, uh, you know, distant relationship with their father. They might refer to him as my father. Where someone who's close to their father might say, dad, pa. You know, you've got that loving connection with your dad. And that's exactly what God wants to be in our lives. And when you have realized what he's redeemed you from, you can't help but for your heart to be transformed, for you to realize that this is a God who loves you and cares for you, a God who provides for you, a God who wants a relationship with you, a God who wants a friendship with you. And he's your dad. He's your pa. He's the one who you can talk to. He's the one who you can trust in. Um... The love is big when we know Abba Father, when we know the dad who loves us and takes care of us. And you see, friends, we have been transformed from slavery, from a distant, cold slave owner, um, a slavery that you can identify with because we indeed have all been enslaved to sin. 
unable to make decisions for ourselves, controlled by some addiction, controlled by some behavior, um, taking us down a road of destruction with no hope, to being transformed and redeemed to a relationship with an Abba Father who has redeemed us and given us a new name, given us hope, given us a future, given us provision. And you indeed have been transformed as you say yes to Jesus from slave to son. It's an awesome transformation that every single one of us is in need, for, need of. And I want to encourage you, if you have not ever said yes to Jesus, that you would do it today. That you would say yes to Him. That you want to be uh, transformed from slave to son, from slave to daughter. And you would receive that inheritance. Let's pray. Lord, pray for everyone here who is saying yes to you or is desiring to say yes to you, Lord. They certainly understand what it means to be a slave. They've felt the slavery to sin. They have felt the bondage. They have felt, Lord, the, uh, the entrapment that there is um, in the life away from you. And I pray today, God, that they would discover um, new life. They would discover hope and they would discover what it means to be called an heir of Jesus and co-heirs with Christ. I pray, God, that they would experience um, the new life there is as one of the family. Lord God, I pray that you would put eternity into their hearts and they would say yes to you and therefore they would experience the freedom there is in Christ. Lord, I pray that those of us, those that have walked with you for a long time as we are reminded of this transformation, God, that you indeed would um, renew within us this love for you and this gratitude and this connection with you, Lord, that you so desire as Abba Father. We love you and we put our hope in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.